are going to be talking about once saved, always saved. We have your host, Anna, and we have Seth and Lauren with us again today. Hi. <laughs> um, so to start off our conversation, we need to begin by explaining where this comes from. So basically, once saved, always saved is a the main component to the religion of Calvinism. And um, Calvinism can be broken down into five different points with the acronym called TULIP. So the first letter of the word TULIP is T, which is total depravity. So basically what they believe about total depravity is that every person is enslaved to sin and people are not by nature inclined to love God. So initially, when you guys hear this, what what would you say is is good and bad about these concepts? I think we are sinful in nature because of, you know, the first events with Adam and Eve. But God did create us with a desire to long for him. That's why we, all of us have like a, a I've heard it called before, like a God-shaped wound or opening in our hearts because we were made to worship him. So I don't really agree with that statement. Hmm. What do you have anything, Seth? About how their stance? About thinking of, it's called total depravity. Like the, every person is enslaved to sin and people are not by nature inclined to love God. That, those are their two beliefs under that. I mean, it is, it is true. I mean, we've like, said, like, I mean, I'm just going to be repeating what she said because it's, it's true. Like, since the fall of man, we are born into sin. And uh, and we do need uh, God to to change our hearts and our lives. I mean, that's the only way out of it. There's, you know, mm. no fans or buts. Yep. So as I, I looked at this <clears throat> more, I did some more research. Um, this one guy, he was talking about Calvinism and when he was going through the five points he said that a lot of these when they when they open up with their statements they'll kind of sugarcoat it into in with these fluffy words saying kind of the truth like there's maybe like one percent of truth but the rest of it the actual meaning of behind it is not biblically accurate so total depravity is more along the lines of <clears throat> that people are not just inherently sinful, it's that when you are not what they call regenerated, you will never have the opportunity to be saved. So that's what total depravity means, is that you are deprived always totally from going to heaven or having a relationship with God, basically. Um, in kind of simpler terms, it's the regeneration proceeds faith, so when, what we believe is that you have to have faith, like grace through faith, like that's where the whole salvation thing comes from in, in our eyes and in um, Christianity, like Bible-centered, Jesus taught Christianity, but in Calvinism it's more so you have to be regenerated and then that's where faith comes in afterwards. Is there any, anything else on the topic that you guys... Second one, kind of try to go through these quickly. Um, and the term tulip is unconditional election. 
And what that means is God chooses whom he has mercy on and whom he does not. very weird way to put it <laughs> because obviously if God only had mercy on certain people then the rest of us would be dead mm. because he could literally if he, he gives us mercy every day in ways that we don't even realize because if he got mad at us and there was no mercy in the picture he could just kill us right then and there just like the old mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. He did used to do that. And so, um, mercy always wins over his anger. And it's for everybody, even people who, like, totally ignore him. Because he loves us all, like, unconditionally, all the same. So, this thought process is completely against the whole Bible because Jesus was, it, it is our mercy. <laughs> He sent his son for everyone. And so to say that he picks and chooses, that's not true. Because Jesus came for the Gentiles and the Jews. He came for regular people and for his people. Like he died mm -hmm. to give us that mercy. And so I mean, to sit there and say that he picks and chooses. No, it's, it's out there for everyone. It's on us to accept it and to abide in it, essentially. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy to think that that's actually a... A thought because it's just it completely throws Jesus out the out the window mm -hmm. because he is the, the mercy that we receive and you know that we look to so yeah I, I don't agree with that at all <laughs> people get really caught up on kind of like they call like the Old Testament God where he's like full of wrath and he's constantly like damning people to hell but really it's like he gave everyone a chance to do the right thing at yeah. one point in time but within history it shows these are this is the repercussions for your bad decisions god showed you mercy showed you mercy so showed you mercy even within his judgment still showed people mercy yeah like he could have completely annihilated populations that just snap his fingers and he relented multiple times even the children of israel he's like i just want to wipe them all out because they're all forgetting about me they're all forgetting like about the God of Israel and following all these foreign gods, but then he's like, I will relent. I will have mercy on you and I will let you try it again. What you're saying about free will, that's honestly like my thought process too. Like, that is a major component. It's like they had free will in the garden. They, ch they chose to eat from the tree and then after that, every day was a and choice. And even then, when they did sin, God had mercy on them still. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah, he kicked them out of the garden and whatnot, mm -hmm. but I mean, he... He still, he could have killed them right then, like, right then and there. I mean, mm -hmm. but he had mercy on their lives. He showed them how to, you know, work the land, how to, you know, I mean, because they were living in a fallen world now because of what they did. That wasn't on God. That was on them, their free will. But he showed mercy on them. So, I mean, yeah, even when we do sin and we, you know, do wrong, even then he has mercy on us. It's, it's pretty amazing, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Um, so the, the third one, L and Tulip is called limited atonement, and the definition is only the sins of the elect or the chosen are atoned for by Jesus' death. So when he died on the cross, he literally only died for those chosen group of people instead of the entire world. It's just, I don't even know what to say about this. It doesn't even make sense. Like, I don't... <laughs> 
doesn't it make you just like cringe on the inside? Kind of, but yeah. Just, I don't know how how you I could mean, have that mindset. Like he he died for everybody, and we all had the chance to like be saved and follow him. But God did already know which ones of us were gonna make that decision. But it doesn't mean it's not available to everybody. But he still knew who was gonna come and who was gonna like. Who so when I think about this, I think like this limitation of um, salvation, like, I feel like you're limiting God mm -hmm. when you say that, because it's like, when God went, only a limited amount of people can get in now, or like, it's for that limited group. It's like, I, I don't know, I just feel like you're, you're limiting Jesus and what he can do, which there are no limitations to what, you know, God can do, so. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I just think that's kind of silly. Yeah. <laughs> when I hear that, I'm just kind of like, scratching my head. I'm just like, what's going on? I'm like, what? I don't know. It just, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. The same apologist that I was gleaning some of this information from, he broke it down saying that when you look at certain views, um, that there's, there's three different types. There's limited atonement, which is what we just talked about. There's universal atonement and then universalism. So a limited atonement is the very, um, sparse view only the very few the elect the chosen are have the even option of having a relationship and going to heaven universal atonement is what we believe is when the entire world has the the choice and the option and god gives them grants them salvation if they so choose but not everyone will accept it so there are people that will go to heaven and some people that won't and then there's universalism where it's Everybody and every anybody who dies, anyone who has lived, it's all good. They're going to heaven. Like that's that's how it is. And he breaks it down, saying the reason why limited atonement isn't correct is because you have to look at intent, extent, and application. Intent is like what did God intend for Christ when He was dying on the cross? If He intended only for the elect, it contradicts the whole reason why He died in the first place. It's like, if he already knew, who, why, why would he have to die for the sins of those people? He could yeah. have just been like, your sins are forgiven. Yeah, this elect few, yeah. Um, and true. then it says, the extent, for whose sins did Christ die? Which kind of falls into the first one. So obviously we believe that it was for everybody. And then the application, who really gets saved? So by answering those three questions, you have the answers for limited atonement. They believe that... Um, only some people's sins Christ died for, and then some that um, some will get saved, so the elect. Universal atonement, we believe that all people Christ died for, but who actually get saved is some. Universalism, the only difference is that they believe that everybody will get saved. It's just basically saying the same thing again. That, that one's most widely accepted in society, that yeah. everybody just goes to heaven. Mm -hmm. It's, it's easy to digest. And yeah, it makes you kind of not responsible for your own life because you're like, well, whatever I do here, I'm still going to go to the good place. Yep. So, yep. Um, let's see what else did I have. Um, he also kind of brought up a verse in the Bible which he had someone comment and ask him about, which said, well, doesn't this kind of 
elude to limited atonement. And it's 2 Corinthians 5.14. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And the way he tried to go about it was really confusing. Not saying my mini brain couldn't comprehend it. But <laughs> uh, basically, um, the person was saying, like, he foreknew kind of what you're saying, people, so therefore, like, But he was saying that all people is all people for both instances. The um, Christ died, therefore all died, meaning he physically died for our physical death. Like we should have been in his place. And that is a blanket statement. Everybody has sinned, everybody has fallen short. So he made that sacrifice for everybody. Um it was universally provided, not universally applied. So, like, again, saying that he died for everybody, but that doesn't mean that as soon as he died, everyone was automatically going to heaven. Um, and another aspect of it is we can't really just pick a verse out of the Bible and use it to provide a valid claim to what we believe, because if you read just further down into that chapter, it said, and he died for all, and those that live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So it's basically saying, like, even though he died for everybody, it also means that there has to be that part on your end. There's it's a two-way street, because that's also an element of Calvinism, is that they believe salvation has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God. God chose you to be saved. So you're saved, and there's nothing that you can do to lose it, or whatever, but, I don't know, because it just, it just blows my mind thinking about that. Um, um, Alright, so to skip down to the next one is irresistible grace. In the definition, the grace of God is only applied to those destined to save, and this leads to, the, and it also leads to the next point as well. So it's kind of, it almost is like the same idea over and over again, just kind of said in different ways. Yeah. Um, so then the, the last point, which is where the main once saved, always saves comes in, it's called the preservation or the perseverance of the saints. There's two different definitions. There's the old school original way, and then there's this new age version that we kind of just touched on that Warren was saying. The first one we'll go over is um, those that live a life of righteousness lead to sanctification and will never fall away. If a person does fall away, they were never saved to begin with. So that's their their point of view with the preservation of the saints. So God chose you to be the elect. Then you're regenerated through the process. I don't really know the process exactly. But um, once that happens, then you can't lose your salvation. But if you do... You are never actually regenerated or saved in the first place. That's just wrong because when you get saved, your name is written in the book of life, but it does say your name can be blotted out. Mm -hmm. So you can definitely lose your salvation. So I don't, I don't think that's right at all. <laughs> but um. so I think this this um, idea it kind of it it creates two two problems 
for being a believer. So if I was a Calvinist and I believed that I was regenerated, it would cause me some doubt because I would be constantly being like, am I saved? With our belief system, there's we, we don't have to question the fact that we have the choice of salvation because it's the two-part system. It has God offers salvation and then we humble and surrender our lives to him and we receive that salvation and then we can carry that throughout our lives and then so on and so forth with with this it's more saying like like how do you know for sure because if it's completely up to God like how am I as man able to know for a hundred percent sure that I am part of the elect so it gives almost like this this demanding or this lack of hope, I guess, is what I'm saying. It's like, if you don't even know why you even try, or if you are a part of it, it's not going to give you much to go off of, of even continuing within that faith. It just... It would, like, go into evangelizing, because you don't know... If you had that idea, you wouldn't know who was the elect and who isn't, so you'd be like, well, it doesn't matter if I evangelize or not, because these people probably aren't even part of the elect. Exactly, yeah. We were called to spread the, spread the gospel, so that would kind of defeat the purpose. Yeah, that's, and the Bible does say, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So why would you do that if there's only a certain amount of people that are supposed to be going to heaven, mm -hmm. you know? It doesn't make any sense that, yeah, it defeats the purpose. I think other aspects of it is it, it creates the segregation mindset. What was Lauren was just saying. Yeah. Um, it's like an us and them type of thing. We are the elect. You are not. Mm -hmm. We are the body of Christ. You are not. When it's like, you look at Jesus' life and that's exactly not how he was. He, he can like pretty much like, condemned people for saying or at, like, at least like reprimanded them heavily. Yeah, he condemned them for making it about them. And that's not what this is about at all. It's yeah. not about us. It's about Jesus. It is basically what the Pharisees yeah. were doing and the Sadducees. Like, we are, at the time, we're the elect. Yeah. The, the priests and the, the people that worked in the temple and had their special duties and they prayed out in the streets and they did all that they needed to do on the outside, but couldn't care less about poor people or even the people that were maybe just a couple positions lower than them. That shows a lack of love, which <laughs> if you don't have love, the love of the Father is not in you. It says the clearest day in the Bible. So I mean, yeah, definitely when, when we make it about us, we're being selfish. And when we're being selfish, we're not being loving. Mm -hmm. I think those two go hand in hand. You can't be selfish and be loving at the same time. I don't think those can coexist. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I think it really boils down to love because, yeah, like you said, if we're like, oh, us versus them, then there's no love in that. Like, where's where's the love in that? And that's how, there's you a know, fine, There's a fine line because obviously, like, nowadays people who deem love is more tolerance. It's not actually love. Oh, yeah. you need to be loving. You're telling me to be tolerant. That's not love. Yeah, that's true. That is very there's true, too. There's a difference between People are tainting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> um, 
there's a verse, 1 Timothy 4.1, that the Spirit clearly says in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And it's kind of weird because I feel like that comes out of left field, but it mostly um, relates to the fact that people who are even in the faith, seemingly people who proclaim to be Christian, have these these ideas that aren't even like, I, they're not even like gospel. They're so so far away from the gospel. It's just like I don't understand where this even came from. And and basically, it's just you have a religion that's based off of a human being rather than God. And that's how all of these come to be. So you have Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Church of the Latter-day Saints, or all all of the other ones that you that have come up over the years is because. Some person at one point in time thought that they knew better than what the gospel had said, so they make their own and renew their better, new and improved version. And that's what that verse clearly states: is that they they're following stuff that's so far away from what is actually apparent, because it's it's really not that complicated. The actual gospel. Um, the secondly, the second type of once saved, always saved is the more modern version of it, which is once you're saved, you cannot become unsaved even if you live like an unbeliever or even stop believing. So once you proclaim that you know Christ at one point, you say sorry for your sins, there's nothing that you can do after that. Which, again, throughout the whole Bible, it's not the case because... The Israelites, every 40 years, it seemed like they would fall away and they would, and God, his anger would be kindled against them and he would have mercy on them and then they would turn back to him. And time and time again, we see that they could fall away out of God's plan and out of his, you know, out of his righteousness, essentially. And um, even Paul in the New Testament says here in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You have to keep the faith to make it. Yeah. You can't, and you can lose your faith. We're imperfect people and we can lose hope and we can lose our faith. And that's, that's part of, you know, like you have to keep your faith in God to make it to the end. So the whole, once you, you know, get saved, you can just do whatever you want. I mean, that's, that's not accurate at all. Well, I think if you were like truly saved, it says that God gives you a new spirit and a new heart. Mm-hmm. So it's like you you have to like just make a distinction. Um, like if you're saved or not, because why would you go back to the things of like your old ways and everything if you claim to be saved? That's because good point. God is supposed to change you. Yeah. And so if you go back to those ways or don't change at all, like, did you really give everything up to God? Did you really, like, put your hands, or put your life in the hands of Jesus? Yeah. Or are you just proclaiming something that's not true or even lying to yourself? See, I think the, the way to go about, if I was having a conversation with someone who had this mindset, I'd ask them, well, what is salvation? Like, number one, who grants salvation? But then Calvinism, they believe it's strictly, uh, I think it's like monergism, strictly God-based, and he is the one who grants people salvation or regeneration. 
but we believe in I think a synergism where it's God and human collaboration so where God always provides salvation we don't provide salvation for ourselves obviously he gave us that option we have to choose it but there's also a third component that doesn't it's talked about but it's not really highlighted enough is the fact that you have to follow through with your salvation you have to actually live it out just you have to maintain it mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's a, that that running the race yeah it's ain't a sprint it's a it's a marathon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long race yeah it's like yeah
So it's like, once you're truly saved, how are you not, like, always saved in a sense? Like, it's not like anything we could do, like, could make him abandon us because God says multiple times that he won't forsake us. Mm-hmm. But, like, obviously, if you leave the faith, did you, like, have it, really? I mean, I would say there there's always an option for every scenario and every context. But to say that that is the, this, the instance every single time would not be true. Because, I mean, just in my life, I can think of at least a handful of people that I grew up with. I saw them and I'm just like, I look up to these people as spiritual, like, wow. They've actually legitimately got their stuff together. They're on fire for God. They do stuff for God all the time. And then just slowly throughout life and the years go by and various things happen they just one like one by one things start stripping away and then now i don't even think that they're saved still i mean i can't say for sure but just the transition from that point to this point was they were saved at that one point legitimately they were the leaders of the group the spiritual like gung-ho let's go guys like let's do stuff for god and now it's nothing absolutely nothing so i think there are situations where i've also seen that person probably was never legitimately saved again not my place to say but seeing the way that they conducted themselves i can't i'm not confident in the fact that they were even legitimately saved to begin with i would say both are very much plausible and possible yeah i mean we can we follow away sins and everything, but he, he doesn't leave us. No. No, he doesn't. So he never, he doesn't forsake us, but we can forsake him. Oh, so that's, that's more the side of it. You're saying like the God side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I was just more, more hung up on the side of like our part. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Like the, the option is always there. The option of salvation is always there for people. That's never taken away. Yeah. that would be a scary thing if that was true. Yeah, that would be terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Again, it would cause a very hopeless religion. Yeah, that's really what it, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, he's always constantly, like, calling us, and he doesn't want to let us go. He's going to, like, he's going to try for us. And I know in my own life, when I wasn't, like following God like I sh- like should have been like I still felt like I would get like urges to go to church and it had been years and stuff and I was like why do I want to go to church and I'd go to church and like I wouldn't really feel anything but I still went but after I truly got saved I kind of realized like God was putting that in me to just call me back to him yeah. or call me to him yeah. So I feel like he's, he doesn't give up on us. No. Oh, no. Yeah, no. He never does. No. Yeah, but it's definitely on us to accept him. Because if we don't, then, you know, like, he, you know, he can't force us to love him and to accept his salvation. We have to 
come to that point where we accept him freely. You know, we give him our hearts. Um, but yeah, I know he's, he's always there. People that turn away from him, people that have never come to him and have given, you know, have, uh, given them their hearts. I mean, he's always there and he's, he's using other Christians to put, he uses us to put us in other people's paths so we can relay that information and plant those seeds. He works through his people. And so, but yeah, I mean, at some point a seed was planted in your life and that was working in you and you felt the pull to go to church and this and that. And then you finally answered the call and you actually got saved. And I mean, that's just how it plays out. I mean, what would you say was like your initial thought on being saved or like the thought of salvation like as a definition? Like what I think salvation is? Yeah, I mean, but like your, I guess before and then now, would you say it has, has changed throughout being saved and not being saved? Like, but like before you, that realization of like wanted a relationship with God. Yeah, I think when I was younger, I mean, I was baptized when I was younger, um, and I asked to be baptized. I think I was like 12, and I knew that we were different in following God, um, but I think it was definitely displayed in how my parents lived. We went to church, we went home, and lived like normal people. Like we didn't talk about God, we didn't, like, talk about what's God teaching us, how is he working in our lives, like, that wasn't it, we just went to church, really, and I thought, this is what we're supposed to do, we're just supposed to go to church, and learn about God, that's about it, and so, I thought being baptized, and, like, was basically, like, my ticket to heaven, probably, is what my thought process was. I didn't realize until later that it's a relationship and we have to surrender exactly. everything to him because initially like everything is his to begin with. Yeah. And so if we claim it as ours, it's like an insult because he gave us everything that we have. And I didn't understand that before. I was young, so I was I and I didn't have a whole lot of people to teach me about it. Um, but my thoughts have definitely changed about salvation, and now I feel like I know what it truly means to be saved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? Um, honestly, she was kind of hitting it right on the head because I, I kind of had the same idea when I was younger. I grew up in a Christian home, and I always kind of thought like, oh, because my parents are saved, like I'm good. But when it would get preached to me from my mom or from pastor in a sermon that you know, it's about a relationship, a personal relationship. I can't be saved because of my parents' relationship. I have to have that relationship with Jesus. And um, I just, I always just kind of like didn't want to do it because I knew I have to be different, but I, I never like let him in. And, um, and I always wanted what like the world had to offer and, uh, and it, it just didn't satisfy. And, you know, I was a church kid, but I, I was so far from <laughs> where I needed to be. And then once I came to the end of myself and I I gave my life to Christ, I like I felt great. Like it was it was such a burden lifted off me. I 
didn't have the urge to live like my friends did and this and that like it was a great feeling and I just so yeah definitely what you're saying with like yeah it's, it's a relationship we need to have we need to accept his love and his sacrifice There's no definitive day or time or even moment where I'm like, I was not saved and then finally I got my stuff together and I, I started realizing things because um, I guess I wasn't raised in church. I didn't start going to church officially till I was like seven and then I didn't take any of it seriously till about... 14 or 15, but even then, what I thought was taking it seriously was not taking it seriously. It was more just a religious checklist. I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray, do that every day, go to my youth group and Bible study, and it's like knowing all the knowledge, thinking I had it all together, but the actual change in me didn't, it was almost like I had moments of change and then I would go right back to where I was. I had moments of change. God was trying to do something in my life and then I would go right back to where I was. And I think in, it wasn't until I became an actual adult where I looked at my life and I was like, oh wow, I don't want to do that anymore because it's an emotional roller coaster of having that, deceiving myself, thinking just because I'm doing all this stuff, I'm um, on the outside appearing like I have all my stuff together. But on the inside, I'm constantly going through this cycle of feeling like I'm hitting hot legs and I'm, I'm good and then all of a sudden I realize that I'm not and, and taking that time of realizing like, it's not because I on the outside I'm appearing good I have to make sure on the inside that I'm doing what I need to do to maintain a relationship with God and that's like I wouldn't say or I would say like 17, 18 is when I finally And it's not the same for everyone. Like some, like, cause even when people like do have that big revelation, they give their life and they're like really changed. Kind of like what Tony Uriarty was preaching about. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but he was saying how even though he got saved and his life was changed, he felt different. There was still a lot of stuff that was wrong and that he needed to work on. And that's where that means when you know he's bringing us from glory to glory. It's like we're always a work in process, a progress. Like we're not, we're not ever gonna be perfect on this earth. That's only gonna happen once we make heaven our home. Until then, we're always gonna have flaws. We're always, you know, so like, you know, and it's pretty it's pretty typical when like people do get saved, like they don't, they're not right on the money or on the ball, you know, right out the gates. They got a lot of problems that they're still carrying with them. Yeah. So I mean, it's definitely not like what you experience is it like being a process of transition. Like, it's not out of the ordinary. It's, it's pretty, uh, I mean, what did you, I loved when he was saying, he said the verse where in the King James Version it was saying, be perfect as God is perfect. And he was like, it's not so much actual perfection, it's more meaning. And then he switched to a different translation, it's be complete yep. as he is complete. And I think that's something in my brain that I struggled with. I have to be perfect. I have to be perfect because that's, that's the standard is perfection. And then I got to the point of realizing I can't be perfect. So am I ever going to be, I'm like, this toss-up, God's like, I want you to be complete in me. You don't have to be perfect, but 
incomplete. And I was just like, that once you get that clicking in your brain, that those those failures and the times that you fall, even as a Christian, you realize, I just need to become complete in God. And when that's not going to happen until we get to heaven. It's like, we're still, we're still on that, that progress. So that's, that's what encourages me. I was like, I'm becoming complete. I'm becoming complete. (laughs) Yeah, there's like a sense of self-awareness about it. Like, knowing that you can never be perfect. Like, it's it's impossible for us to be perfect on this earth. Mm -hmm. And God knows that. He's completely aware of that. It does not take him by surprise when we mess up. But I feel like when we're younger, we're not as self-aware, so we don't understand how sinful we really are. And so we're like, that's why we think religion is all external. Mm -hmm. Because I guess all three of us, it took us a while to kind of realize that it's more inside instead of what you do on the outside. Yeah, no, it's very true. I think that's something as a body that we can do more of is to let other people know that. Because mm-hmm. we think in certain aspects, not every single church, but I don't like it. There's this feeling of no one wants to address that fact. That yes, we have our problems, but we can also come to each other and be together and, and build each other up instead of ignoring those problems and being like, ah, it's whatever, it's okay. We all have problems. I'm saying we'll address the problems, we can talk to each other, and then we can grow as a unit together. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's encouraging to me because when pastor was saying, like, we are a family, and when I remind myself of that, it's like, no longer am I feeling like I'm by myself on this process because I have a family around me who are going through pretty much exactly the same scenarios, the same feelings, the same struggles as I am. And that's what's great about having that relationship, not religion, where you feel like it's just yourself and that isolation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You weren't made to be alone. That's exactly why yeah. God made Eve. Because he didn't mm-hmm. he said it was not good to be alone. We're not supposed yeah. to be alone. We're supposed yeah. to have fellowship. That's why he created marriage. That's why he created the church, uh, the body of, of Christ. I mean, I, we were supposed to be the body, you know. I mean, it, yeah, we were not meant to go through this life alone. It's very true. Okay. perfect (laughs) good observations of (laughs) yeah and if you think you need to be perfect stop that thinking because it's it's not true yeah because it's well we're never going to be perfect it's detrimental yeah it's it's only destructive yeah and actually uh it just got me thinking so there's a guy in my work that me and ricky were kind of witnessing to a little bit but we were talking to him about church and his name's brandon he lives out in the valley and uh he was saying that um, the Korean church that he goes to because he's Korean <laughs> a little bit of information um, he was saying so I, he must have the idea that you like to go to church and to be a Christian you've got to be perfect you got to be like on the ball because he was saying that like oh he's like I stopped going to the church my mom goes to because there are, there are these people that you know like they are people that have like issues and like 
they were like doing all this crazy stuff now they're like in church and then like he was saying like there were people that were like pretty faithful to going to the church but then like something happened or I don't know I don't know exactly what he was saying but like we had to explain to him that like you know we're gonna have our struggles and obviously if like they're going to jail and stuff that's like a whole nother scenario but like because he said there was a case where like someone that had been going to their church for a while like got thrown in jail like he went to jail for something crazy and he had he was in doing jail time before but i just thought it was crazy because he was just like yeah he's like everyone that like goes to that church or you know they're like weird and and it's like when you're truly saved it's like even you're still not going to be on the ball it's like you know you still struggle with things and we're gonna mess up a lot <laughs> and it's like it's it's a progress like we're working together and that's why as you said like the family we have like we're supposed to give grace to each other and there is correction that comes with that like you know discipline in a sense but at the same time it's like we're all in this together trying to make heaven our own you know so yeah just i don't know, just kind of me think about it. it's kind of side trail but he was thinking that like you had to be like on the ball to be going to church and to be like a christian and it's like yeah it's like we need to be living right but at the same time it's like just because you mess up it's not the end of the world it's not like uh, it's a bad church or something they're all works in progress they're actually trying you know and they're letting god work in their lives and that's good like but, uh, I rambling. <laughs> jesus Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just spraying for reason here, you weirdo. Yeah. Okay. Bye, y'all. <laughs>